Thanks for tuning in to Best Show Ever, a podcast presented by the Inglert Theater. This week, we'll talk with Lisa Barnes, Executive Director of Summer of the Arts, about programming in a pandemic and what we can expect for 2021. Then we'll chat with mother and avid volunteer, Anna Moyer-Stone, about her best show ever. But first, a word from our sponsors. For your investment and financial planning needs, Ross and Ryland DeLaRoy of MidAmerica Securities Management are here to help. You can find Ross and Ryland at the Chauncey Building in downtown Iowa City. They can also be found online at midamericasecurities.com or by calling 319-337-9842 for more information. Securities and advisory services offered through Nations Financial Group, member FINRA slash SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Lisa Barnes has been the executive director at Summer of the Arts since November 2009. In producing live skill events, Lisa wears many hats, including programmer, marketer, and financial manager. Okay, Lisa, I'm so excited to talk with you. Thanks for joining today. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so I think the first thing we need to do is just sort of, you know, give the viewers, the listeners a reminder um, of just how much programming the summer of the arts spearheads, because I think I forget sometimes too, just how much y'all do. So there's the Iowa arts festival. There's the Friday night concert series. Love that one. The free movie series, jazz festival, soul and blues festival and the holiday thieves market. You guys do so much programming at a range of events. And I can't imagine what it's been, it must have been like to pivot all of these events, um, large scale events, you know, to being online. So I'm kind of curious, you, what, what has been the most challenging part of continuing to present, you know, free art programming during the pandemic? Honestly, I, I think part of it was just the technology that we've all been learning over the past year and trying to still keep people engaged while providing the programming. We were able to do drive-in movies that were very successful. We were able to do a truckload of soul going out into the neighborhoods with Kevin Burt to do some live performances. And then uh, we also partnered last year with the Iowa River Landing as far as providing entertainment at the farmer's markets when that moved to the Iowa River Landing. So we were able to do some smaller live events, but the larger events, it was very challenging. We thought for sure we'd be able to do the Holiday Thieves Market. Mm -hmm. And we had planned on cutting back the number of artist booths and spreading them out more. We had moved it to the Coralville Marriott. We were all set to go. And then November, you know, things started getting bored mm. and we had to make the decision. Nope. So we went with the virtual art fair and we had 36 artists participate. So we were happy with that response, but we really miss getting together with everybody and being in downtown Iowa City. Yeah. Being online it is just not the same as much as we want it to be. And then there's also just so much we already have so much screen times in our life. So it's like, gosh, we just want to like go, you know, see art in person and talk to people in person. And then I just, and, and just the, the constant heartbreak of hoping that you can have an event. Right. And like thinking like this time yep. it's going to happen. And then just, nope. no, 
that just has to be absolutely so frustrating. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely very frustrating. I feel feel for y'all there. Are there some things that you've maybe enjoyed about the the challenge of pivoting or going virtual? Are there aspects aspects that you that you've liked? Honestly, I think the reach that we've been able to get has been really fun doing our Friday night concerts virtually and being able to watch those online and see who else is watching, you know, former Iowa Cityans that now live in Texas and other places. That's been really fun. It has allowed us the opportunity to engage with a much broader audience that we might not be able to reach. And we know that even in 2021, as things slowly start to improve, and we're very hopeful to be able to do some more live events starting in July that we can still be able to reach people in a virtual manner, at least with some of our programming. So we're looking at different opportunities there. I know I'm I'm like a big music person. So that's usually like what my eyes on the Internet are looking out for, like those sorts of things. And I, I really did enjoy watching some of the concerts that you guys recorded over the summer and and having it in the outdoor setting, you know, having the band being outside, it it genuinely, I'm not even just trying to gas it up. It genuinely did make me feel like some of those like outdoor feelings. Like I did just get like a little glimmer of just like that joy, just even though I was inside watching on my computer, I could still feel it a little bit. Yeah, we were we were pretty fortunate with those outdoor recordings. You know, all of our Arts Fest performances we recorded out at Wildwood and our Jazz Fest performances we recorded at Mosley's in North Liberty. The majority of the other performances, we did record some at the Iowa City Public Library for Friday night concerts. And the rest of them, we actually recorded in Hills, Iowa. They have a beautiful new band shelter that they allowed us to use and we would meet down there and record three or four bands in one day. We wanted to give that feel of you being there and being outside. And obviously we couldn't do it on the ped mall because that would attract a crowd. So yeah. it was great to be able to go to Hills and use their beautiful facility. Yeah. I love that. And what, another thing that the pandemic is making me appreciate more is just having concert videos available to like, go back back and watch because I've been watching a bajillion and then also being able to go back and watch, you know, my band or my friend's band, you know, I think that'll mean a lot to people down the line, these bands who have this now relic of this time. Yeah, I agree. We actually had a couple of performers at Arts Fest who had never actually been video recorded. And so they were very excited to be able to share that. And one of the things we did last year is our first two Friday night concerts were actually from previous years. We had a compilation of City High West High performances one night, and then we brought back Big Wooden Radio, who was a staple at the Friday night concert series for 20 years. And we're actually planning on doing that this year in May as well. We're going to have flashback concerts to previous years. So uh, we'll see what we come up with. Fortunately, City Channel 4 has a lot of those in their archive, but it's really fun and it's all on our YouTube channel. So it's great to be able to go back and watch those again. Yeah, that's awesome. In hypothetical land, say that none of the, some of the arts events happen at all. That hypothetical scenario, what does, what does our community lose when we don't have Summer of the Arts? 
I think that we lose a lot because our mission is building community and getting people out and together. And that's one of the things that I love about our events is every time I'm at one of our events, I run into somebody that maybe I haven't seen in years because they came for the event. And the atmosphere that's created in downtown Iowa City through our events and several other events as well, I think is such an integral part of our community. The arts are such an integral part of our community. And without summer and without, you know, being able to go downtown on a Friday night and enjoy live music and dance and see your friends and neighbors, it just isn't the same. And I think that so many people in our community are feeling so isolated because of this and not being able to interact. I know when the pandemic first started and and we started taking turns being in the office and working remotely, I happened to be in the office one day and saw a business next door out walking her dog. And I ran out into the parking lot (laughs) just to have a conversation across the parking lot because you're missing that human interaction. And it's so crucial. And I think the hard thing now is, as they're starting to lift restrictions, we all want to think, oh, cool, it's all over. We can start doing everything the same as usual. And that's not true. We still have to, you know, be very sensitive to all of us who have not had a vaccine. You know, there's such a huge number of people who haven't had it. And we have to think about our impact on our friends, neighbors, community, even our interns that typically would be in the office right now, they're going to be working remotely to begin with. And that's kind of a whole nother issue in in trying to work with interns on a remote basis. It's extremely challenging. So I think not having these events, not being able to really experience and celebrate the arts is really hard on our community. I think everybody feels it. They, they just feel something missing. Yeah. What are you hoping to achieve for this summer's programming? Uh, You sort of talked a little bit already about, you know, what you're wanting to do, but how are you wanting to make the summers maybe different from last summer's? So with our programming this year, uh, our larger festivals have been scaled back a little bit. The biggest change this year is the Iowa Arts Festival, which usually kicks off the beginning of June, has actually been moved to the middle of August. We know it's it's just not going to be safe to have large crowds, and that is our largest event. And even moving it to August, we're still planning on having the artist booths all spread out. We're focusing more with all of our events on local or regional performers and not quite as many national performers. And it's partially due to COVID. It's partially due to financial challenges as well. But we do feel like we're still going to be able to have great events. We also made the decision as a board that the majority of our events in June are going to be virtual. So the Friday night concerts are going to be virtual in June. We will also have a couple of drive-in movies in June, as well as uh, we're partnering with Film Scene this year to do some movies outside of the Chauncey. So we will have some in-person events, but again, you know, we're very aware and, and planning on masks, social distancing, same things that we did last year. And then hoping to actually still have the Jazz Festival July 2nd and 3rd. But again, it's been scaled down a little bit. We'll be on the Pedball Friday night and then out on Clinton and Iowa on Saturday. We do have several national performers on Saturday. 
but um, just taking a little bit different turn and, and again, trying to scale back. And then we're hopeful that in July we'll be able to do our regular Friday night concerts and stuff, which basically means we're extending our season actually into September this year so that we can do some virtual programming at the beginning and then hopefully segue into the live programming. Awesome. Yeah, we're certainly all hoping for the best for you guys and that still making it happen. So we appreciate everything you do, everything y'all do at the Summer of the Arts. Um, thanks again for taking some time to talk with us and go down memory lane. Um, and we encourage our listeners, you know, check out some of the arts online, check out the donate page if you of will. Course. <laughs> um, and yeah, thanks again, Lisa. It's been fun. Thank you so much. We hope to see a lot of people at some point this summer. We'll be right back in conversation with Anna Moyers-Stone. Announcing the new Friends of the Inglert program with benefits that span across our festivals, enhance access for students, and create a strong foundation for our mission to inspire and activate positive community growth through the arts. Since our closure in March 2019 due to the pandemic, our nonprofit theater has lost most of our earned income from ticket sales. We need the help of supporters like you now more than ever before. Joining Friends of the Inglert gets you great access to our 2021 digital season, including online concerts, educational programming, and Witching Hour and Mission Creek festivals. Please consider making a monthly, quarterly, or annually recurring donation to Friends of the Inglert, and then get going to some great digital events with those good vibes knowing that you're helping Iowa City's last remaining historic theater get through this difficult time. Make a difference in your community? Get great perks. It's a win-win. Join Friends of the Inglert by visiting inglert.org slash friends. Anna Moyer-Stone has lived in Iowa City essentially her whole life. She recently walked away from a long and successful career as a lawyer and more recently vice president trust officer at Midwest One Bank to become a full-time mother, or as she puts it, tooth fairy, and active volunteer in the Iowa City community. Anna, it's so nice to meet you. I'm excited to get to know you more. Thanks for taking some time to uh, chit chat today. Yes, thank you for having me on the show. It is wonderful to be here. And I really, I was just honored to be asked. I mean, when I got the little email in my inbox, I was like, oh my God, me. <laughs> <laughs> little old me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, first, I want to start off. Can you just tell us just, you know, a little bit about your career journey? Uh, I was born in Iowa City. My parents still live in the house I grew up in. But then when I was 18, I told them that I didn't want to go to school anywhere that they could drive to in a day. So I went to Wellesley College, which is a um, women's school outside of Boston. And then I had a number of sort of paths ahead of me after college. And the safest one seemed like going to law school. I know who does that. So I <laughs> Iowa City uh, went to law school here at um, the University of Iowa College of Law, which is where I met my now husband. Then I married my law school sweetheart, who we thought that we were going to live in Chicago for about a hot minute. And then both of us, um, uh, you know, decided that we didn't actually really like living in big cities. 
So um, we stayed in Iowa City, and I practiced law at the Phelan Tucker Law Firm. I did that for about six and a half years, um, and then I left there and went to go work for Midwest One Bank uh, when I was pregnant, which is also super fun. So thank you, Midwest One Bank, for hiring me when I was pregnant. And then I just left that to be kind of stay-at-home mom, full-time tooth fairy, uh, and I've been doing that for about two weeks so, wow. So I'm curious, you know, having an, an established career, what was the decision making process like for toning it back, doing the stay at home mom situation? Was that affected by the pandemic at all? Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, it was 2020 was a hard year for everyone. And I think it was really kind of hard trying to shepherd my daughter through second grade while my husband was also, you know, trying to keep his career going. And I was also sort of working full time and it just was, it was a lot, you know, my emotional bandwidth to kind of handle the, you know, the grief and the feelings and, and that from other people, including my family just was, you know, getting smaller and smaller. And so, you know, something had to give. And that was uh, unfortunately my job because I really enjoyed a lot of it, you know, in terms of things that matter. Um, not resenting my husband was important. And yelling at my daughter every day also seemed important. Um, so we're going to give we're going to give that a try. Well, happy for you making that Making that like seriously huge move, but, you know, and probably scary and <sighs> terrifying. I think a lot of people are making moves like that right now, getting new jobs, you know, getting new full-time jobs. You know, people are going in all different directions, being pushed, you know, kind of by what you said, the the bandwidth shrinking. And then I think just there's just a lot of, you know, fear too. Like fear if I keep this job, you know, what's I going to do to my relationships? Fear of if I don't get, you know, a better paying job in this economy, you know, what, what is that going to mean for me? And, you know, I, so I think a lot of people are making those big decisions right now. You are very involved um, as a volunteer in the community and you have been for a while. And now you're doing a lot of volunteering for other organizations. You're on the board for the Community Foundation at Johnson County, and you're the co-chair for United Way of Johnson and Washington Counties. Could you maybe just quickly talk a little bit about what, what you're doing at those organizations? The For the Community Foundation of Johnson County, that is a board that I have been on, oh, for a while now. Um, and that is fun because it is a um, it's a way for people to invest, I mean, in Johnson County, in their community. Um, and the Community Foundation provides a lot of different ways to do that and um, works with many of the organizations within Johnson County. I mean, arts organizations, educational organizations. And um, the nice part about the Community Foundation is that, well, there's a couple nice things about the Community Foundation. One is that you get tax credits for donating to the Community Foundation because the that's you know part of the uh, Iowa tax scheme. But by donating to the Community Foundation, um, you get a tax credit because your uh, your dollars are being used locally. 
you know, you're making an investment within your community. It's staying here in Johnson County. Um, and you can see like the good that, that your funds are doing. And then the United Way of Johnson and Washington County, I am the campaign co-chair along with Ryan Bell and the United Way of, you know, it's a, is a broader organization, but our United Way spans for both Johnson and Washington counties and um, provides uh, funding for a number of different partner organizations in those two counties, uh, providing help for, you know, to provide st financial stability for families, to provide like education and literacy for children, um, and really to kind of bring the whole community up to make sure there's this kind of, you know, level, um, foundation for everyone. Um, and so I, um, got involved with them just this past year, but it has been really a lot of fun. Um, and also really, uh, eye opening to see not only how much need is out there. I mean, even especially during this pandemic, you know, how many more people are going to the food bank, how many more people are calling the crisis hotline, how, you know, but also, just, you know, the United Way works with a lot of different organizations within uh, Johnson County, you know, the community, the food banks, um, DVIP, uh, so on and so forth. And to see, you know, not only how much good that they're doing, but also how enthusiastic people are to, to give money towards the United Way to support their communities has been really, really wonderful. Yeah. What a great thing to be a part of. Um, so before we get into your best show ever, um, I Googled your, you know, your name. And one of the per the first thing pages to pop up said, like, um, witching hour helped my marriage. <laughs> and I was like, um, click. <laughs> um, and based off that video, you know, you're clearly an advocate for the arts and downtown life in Iowa City. What are some of the changes you've seen or things that have stayed the same, you know, in the downtown life in, in Iowa City? I think one of the things that have has stayed the same is that downtown is still a hub. You know, I think people go there as, as a destination for lots of things. I mean, anyone who's seen like the Iowa city downtown district knows that there's like lots of things going on, you know, it's where you go to eat or shop or for entertainment or, you know, even just to run into strangers on the street and tell them to go to see this movie. And I think maybe, but one of the things that has changed and maybe this is just because I'm, I'm older, um, is that I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of like different things going on. Let's get into your best show ever. Um, yes, you reminded me of Witching Hour and how Witching Hour saved my marriage, um, <laughs> which makes it sound like it was on the rocks. I know. I always make it sound like Jeff and I are like this close to being divorced. We're fine. Iowa City. <laughs> Jeff and I are very much in love. Um, but I went to Del McCurry, Bluegrass shout out. You know, my dad and I were super excited to be there. My husband was like, are there drums? Um, like, no, uh, and no, but I had heard, you know, like there's, there's people who are super in 
to, I think they're called Dell heads, but like they're super into the Del McCurry band. Right. And I mean, I was like, I like bluegrass, like he's, you know, famous. He's been on stage for his entire life. Like I'm sure this will be good, but I'd heard that he doesn't really have a set list. He just kind of, you know, plays some, plays some songs and then people get to shout out stuff for him to play. I was like, great. But that's honest to God what happened. He came out, people clapped, he played some Del McCurry band songs, and then was like, what do you guys want to hear? And I thought that people were going to shout out like his own songs, which made sense because you're you're watching Del McCurry like you'd think you'd want him to play Del McCurry songs. But people shouted everything from the audience. I mean, they were like, play Harvest Moon by Neil Young. And I was like, that's not even his song. God, you know, let's try it. Like turn to his band and like they played it. And I was like, what? So, I mean, part of it is that like, I'm really not that talented of a musician. So I was just like, what? You know, but I guess like when you are, you know, when you're that talented and have been playing on stage, you're just, you know, like, that's fine. What else? Oh, John Batiste. Oh my God. He came and was just amazing. That was just like a a fun show. And also what makes it fun is that, I mean, he's become like way more famous since, I mean, he's on Colbert, you know? So I think, you know, one of the fun things about living in Iowa City is I can be like, oh yeah, John Batiste, I saw him. That's what happens here. Right. Like almost touched his arm. What? But no, like one of my favorite things to do is kind of flip through the art section of the New Yorker and been like, saw them in Iowa City. They came by like, you know, like, great. Like, I'm glad all these people are living in New York and like feeling really, you know, smug about living in New York. But I'm like, whatever. Saw them. (laughs) Some five years ago. So... Late to the game, everyone. Right. I'm glad you're going to spend $250 on that, but (laughs) yeah, I'm glad you can be happy about that. What? Oh my gosh. And no, that witching hour, Jeff and I, we just like got a babysitter and, you know, went downtown and saw what there was to see. (laughs) Why witching hour saved my marriage Um, (laughs) is that with. A lot of the programming that happens downtown, but, you know, whether that's at the Inglert or at Riverside or at film scene, or, you know, you mentioned Gabe's is if you, if you go and you engage with it, I mean, whether you liked it or you hated it, or, you know, it wasn't as good as the thing you saw last week. I mean, you did something different you know, something entirely unanticipated and and different. And so, you know, you can, you can turn to your friends and loved ones and be like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And like, you know, you have, you have that new experience that you share. Oh yeah. The experience of, of seeing something wild and weird with someone else like that can form a new bond that you didn't know you were even capable of having. Well, Anna, it's been so fun. Oh my gosh. It has been fun. Thank you, Ellie. I hope we learned some things and had some laughs. We had some good laughs. I hope everyone was laughing along with us. Thank you so much. Hope to see you at the theater sometime soon. Oh my gosh. Our song of the week is Boys Are Boys by Tooth Ivy. 
Tooth Ivy is a project created by Kenzie Rayel, a multidisciplinary artist and printmaking BFA student based in Iowa City. She works with many mediums, including sculpture, graphic design, prints, fabrics, and, of course, music. The song you're about to hear is her debut single, made in collaboration with producer Ryan Fairweather and drummer Morgan Ramsey. Here it is, Boys Are Boys.
Support for this podcast comes from Friends of the Inglert. To learn more, visit inglert.org friends. Ongoing support provided by the National Endowment for the Arts and the Iowa Arts Council, a division of the Iowa Department of Cultural Affairs, and by the United States Regional Arts Resilience Fund. Phase One is an initiative of Arts Midwest and its peer United States Regional Arts Organizations, made possible by the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation.